0: Well, when I peeked, (laughs) there were some smiles. Some of you still looked kind of (laughs) grim. So let's work on it. I even caught myself a couple of
1: times.
0: (laughs) So, um, I've been thinking a lot this week about joy and happiness for a couple of reasons. And, last night um, something happened in my life which feels a little like a small miracle which feels like it fits into the story. So I was walking home with my dogs late yesterday afternoon and right next to my house there's um, a person who lives there who's quite a bit on the reclusive side. You don't see him very often and when he built the house, he built it mostly between 7 o'clock and 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> and um, So, you know, he's different and not particularly social. And um, we've had quite a long history of some conflict over the fact that one of my dogs at one point in her life was quite noisy when she was young. And um, so we haven't had much connection with each other for a long time. And because he's a bit reclusive, mostly what happens is he avoids me. So I looked down his driveway and there was this really large black cat. And I thought, oh, I'm really big. That's interesting. And I realized it wasn't my black cat. And I just sort of stored it in my memory. And a couple of hours later went to a meeting of our road association and as I arrived at the meeting there he was getting out of his car right next to my car and I thought "Uh uh-oh this is going to be interesting and um, so I got out of my car and he kind of at me some sort of nondescript sound and for some reason this inspiration came to my into my head and I said Chris is that your black cat that I saw down there in the driveway and he immediately perked up Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and he said well not exactly and turns out that the cat has kind of adopted him and he's kind of adopted the cat and they're kind of coexisting Mm -hmm. and it clearly made him really really happy that Mm -hmm. he had this cat and I found myself walking next to him having this conversation about this large black cat with this person that I've barely spoken to in probably four or five years. Wow, this is a miracle. (laughs) And why I'm telling you the story is I want to talk tonight about one of the Brahma Viharas, which is the Brahma Vihara of sympathetic joy. And that place where we connect with each other through appreciating each other's happiness. And I actually think what happened last night was I tapped into some (coughs) place where he was really happy. And he could get that I was kind of there with him in his happiness. And then we had a connection where we hadn't had one. So sympathetic joy is also known as mudita in Pali. And it's one of the Brahma (laughs) Viharas. So we're all, most of you who sit here regularly are pretty familiar with loving-kindness, with metta, because we do it mostly at the end of every sitting. We take a little time and do loving-kindness practice for ourselves and for everyone else. And probably many of you have done some compassion practice, karuna. And compassion is that practice of really being able to be fully present with difficulty and pain, whether it's your own pain or that of someone else. And then there's mudita, or sympathetic joy, so the ability to really um, enjoy not only your own happiness, which is interesting, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but also the happiness of someone else. And then the last of the practices is upekka, or equanimity. And we might talk about that again in a couple of weeks because in many ways you need upeka, you need equanimity to do all of these other practices because they all get tough at one place or another. And one of the interesting things about sympathetic joy is it doesn't get talked about very much. Probably, I mean, it's interesting. How many of you have ever actually worked at the practice of sympathetic joy, really used it as a practice? So a few of you, but not a lot. This is cool, though, more than I thought. So, um, and one of the things that's true about it, well, actually, let me ask you, was it easy? Is it an easy practice? Anyone? Anyway. Depends. Can Can be. Dep- can be. Yes, I, I think it is. I think it is. Okay, well this is interesting because I also, myself, think it's one of the hardest practices that there is. Mm-hmm. So let's see. We'll explore it and see. Maybe maybe it has its dark side for those of you who think it's easy or maybe you know something that I don't know mm-hmm. which would be really cool. I would love to find that out. So um, some things to say. Here's a <coughs> quote about it that I, I really liked talks about sympathetic joy as the joy and appreciation (coughs) flowing quietly out of the core of one's heart towards others, like (laughs) waters from a spring flowing outwards from the bowels of the earth. And it does often get less attention than the others, than loving kindness or equanimity, and yet it also very much supports them. And it's considered, actually, to be a really rare quality, to really deeply be able to enjoy the happiness of, of others. It has, um, as all of these things do, it has both what's called a near enemy, which is something that's kind of like it. So the near enemy of sympathetic joy is exuberance. It's kind of excitement, and it's <coughs> that place where you just get kind of over the top. And the far enemy, of course, is envy and jealousy and resentment. So often, if you're a person who has a lot of envy or jealousy and resentment in your life, it would be suggested that you do this practice to begin to counter that, because it directly counters envy and jealousy. And so an example that's often given of what sympathetic joy might look like is if you are a parent or know a parent and you really appreciate that place where your child is able to do something and and has suddenly discovered some whole new place of ability or talent and, you know, that place where kids get really excited and happy, you know, look mom, no hands, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And as a parent... We're really excited and and we can even though sometimes it's a little terrifying to realize that your kid can ride the bicycle with no hands it's also kind of wonderful that they've developed that much balance and ability Another example that I came across in my reading about it um, was in an article about that was written for a, a meditation group in a recovery community and talking about that, wonderful sense of happiness when someone in, let's just say AA or NA, has managed to stay sober for another month or, or a whole year in that place, where even if you don't like the person, you can kind of get excited that, yes, they've done it, you know, that's really wonderful, and you're happy for their happiness, even, even when you don't have much connection. And, and that's one of the things about this practice. Because this isn't a practice that's just for the people you like. And it's not even a practice for just for the kinds of happiness that you like and that you approve of. It's for everyone and for all forms of happiness. So you could think of some of your favorite difficult people maybe, even some of your favorite political difficult people and think about their happiness and wonder is there any way it's really a challenging question when you start looking at it is there any way that I can be happy for their happiness so let's hold that one for a minute we'll get there so one of the translations from Mudita, besides sympathetic joy is gladness and I think it's really important to say that Part of this practice is enjoying our own happiness. Now, do you really take time to enjoy your own happiness? You know, so often when something good happens, we, you know, you could all tell me about all the difficulties of your lives, probably pretty easily, but we forget so easily the places where. You know that where something good has happened, or where we've succeeded, and and the phrases in the practices are things like "May I enjoy my happiness." Are you ready for this? For a long time, may it increase. You know, and and um, we get a little, I think, often kind of puritanical in our practice, and it's like I can't ask for more. You know, and of course you. And this is different from getting attached to more, because that is a problem. But it's just really that genuine place of, may there be more of this wonderful wealth or ease or happiness that's come to you. So when we work at this practice, it actually, like pretty much every other practice I know, it works also as a purification practice. Because by focusing on your happiness for yourself and also for the people around you, then it does begin to counter some of these places of grasping and resentment and dislike that go on in the mind. And so it it actually begins, one of the images um, that was given is it begins to uproot some of the, the weeds that grow in the mind. So, if your mind's a little weedy, this might be a good practice for you <coughs> and if it doesn't uproot them completely at least they shrink some some and there's you know it really as I said it counters jealousy and resentment and and we know how much suffering those particular things can can um, cause it's also it it helps to um, Balance some of the other practices so for example with compassion practice um, when you're doing things out of compassion you're perhaps doing charitable work of some sort or something of that sort then bringing a kind of unselfish joy and happiness where you're appreciating the happiness maybe the happiness that your work is bringing to someone else or the happiness of other people in, in the project it actually balances out the situation a little bit, and it keeps it can keep compassion from being kind of condescending or um, patronizing, and it it just makes it it makes it more fun actually when you can tune into that. Some time ago, um, we talked in here about would it be possible to have in this community, in this community of Vipassana Santa Cruz, to have it be a culture of appreciation. And it's a phrase I've really quite liked because it's that place of, can we be a culture where we we actually are really making a point of appreciating each other and enjoying each other's happiness? And um, I talked about, sympathetic joy a little bit on Tuesday I'm sort of on a roll this week and um, after the class at Tuesday noon somebody came in um, Phyllis Levin who works on the tape library and here she was in the middle of the day on Tuesday because she's newly partly retired so mm-hmm. she's only working half time now and all of a sudden she's able to come in here in the middle of the day so one of the other people who had been at the set, I happened to overhear this conversation. Said, oh, "You're newly retired," she said. "I'm so happy for you. You know, I'm really glad that you're able to have this happy time in your life." It was really, and then she went on to explain that she was practicing because she just heard the talk about sympathetic joy. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we could all practice on each other. It would be really useful in terms of, of who we are and how we are as, as a community. So it's not easy. It's not easy. We come um, from sort of a culture of, you know, limited good you know there's only just so much to go around and sometimes it feels like we have to hold things close to ourselves and we can't really appreciate um, the happiness of another and and when we do this practice it actually begins to to instead of um, continuing that kind of isolation and that kind of me first thing you, we really begin to understand that you know your happiness is my happiness and my happiness is your happiness, and our happiness is everyone else's happiness. Um, And so it really becomes a a kind of a celebration of, of the good that has happened in our practice. But like I said, it is tricky. There are people that we don't like, and it's hard to be happy when they're happy. And there definitely are forms of happiness that seem really difficult so here's a, here's a story I always tell this story when I talk about sympathetic joy because I, I love it and it really it, it sort of is an example my friend and teacher Jack Cornfield every spring goes down to Yucca Valley where he, we have retreats I've had for years and one year he was down there and, um, and I was also down there on the teaching team I think and he went out jogging one Friday afternoon and any of you who have been to Yucca Valley know the scene it's down near Joshua Tree National Monument so it's in the high Mojave Desert and there's just acres and acres of land out in the back and it's wonderful for running and walking and hiking and you can go great distances and um, so he was out jogging along and all of a sudden kind of going up a rise he heard gunfire and, you know, that's a little unnerving, gunfire, and you're jogging. And um, so he was a little cautious as he kind of came up over the crest. And as he did, there were a bunch of guys with their beer cans that they were drinking out of, and their guns, and their things, war cans, I think, that they were using for targets. And they were drinking beer and doing target practice. So Jack... Jogs on up, and he says, "Hi, what you doing?" And so they explain to him that they're relaxing. It's Friday afternoon, and you know they're having fun and shooting beer cans, drinking beer, <laughs> telling stories, doing all of that. And he allows us how that's probably really fun. And he looks at the guns, and he asks them how they do it, and they demonstrate, and that whole thing, you know. And then they say to him, "And what are you doing?" Oh, says Jack, "Well, I'm over there at Mental Physics, and I'm teaching a meditation retreat, and this is what we're doing over there." And they're kind of curious because they've never heard of people being quiet. <laughs> or <intended>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, because he was, I, I, I know Jack very well, and I can tell you, the drinking beer and shooting beer cans is not his, it's <laughs> not what he does. But because he could kind of relax into it and appreciate their happiness, he could see that they were relaxed and enjoying themselves, and, and he let go for the time being of any... Views about (laughs) guns and targets and all of that and then they actually connected to him and what he was doing so it ended with some place of connection and who knows, I have no idea if any of those guys ever meditated (laughs) but what we know is it didn't create any further war did it? It didn't and it did create some sense of community and connection So, that's an interesting place to consider. You know, that place when your teenage son is doing something that makes him very happy but you're not so sure about. You know, but the place where you can, sometimes we can understand their happiness allows us to connect and then maybe to shift things in a happier and easier way. So, Here's a few lines from the practice of sympathetic joy. Just just let them resonate in you a little bit. If I am suffering, may I experience happiness. This is doing it for yourself. If I am happy, may I maintain that happiness. May I not be deprived of the good fortune I have gained, the wealth I have gained the status I have gained. That's one that we really want to do right now is the wealth I have gained, actually. (laughs) The, The praise I have gained, the happiness I have gained. May my happiness increase. And then for others, if anyone is suffering, may they experience happiness. As for people experiencing happiness, may they maintain that happiness. May they not be deprived of the good fortune they've gained, the wealth they've gained, the status they've gained, the praise they've gained, the happiness they've gained. May their happiness increase. And then this last quote. Love imparts to equanimity its selflessness, its boundless nature, and even its fervor. Compassion guards equanimity from falling into cold indifference and keeps it from indolent or selfish isolation. Until equanimity has reached perfection, compassion urges it to enter again and again into the battlefields of the world. Sympathetic joy gives to equanimity the mild serenity that softens its stern appearance. It is the divine smile on the face of the enlightened one. So maybe that's why we smile when we sit. So I think I'm going to stop there and see if you have questions or comments. And from your own practice, those of you who have done this practice, I'm surely interested to hear your observations about it. And we'll go from there. So, please, Amy.
1: Um, can you speak to, um, I feel like I just want to hear this, um, can you speak to the difference between an attachment to being happy and um, for the prayer for being able to stay in that state of happiness? Because, the place where we fall off of the happiness and then right. we're bummed that we're not happy or bummed that we're bummed. <laughs> uh. Well, I don't think there's... I, I think in some
0: ways it's simple. I don't think there's any rule that says you shouldn't want to be happy. Yeah. Of course we want to be happy.
1: But I guess there's, it seems like there's some thread in being attached. Yes, to it's,
0: the, the it's the having to have. It's the grabbing on to. It's the addiction to. So... It's um, it's it's that place where yes, may I be happy, and of course, part of the art of practice is finding ways sometimes where we're happy, even under difficult situations. But that's really another story, and um, and sometimes we're not. So can we both ride those waves, and still hope for our own happiness and that of others? It's tricky.
1: Yeah, and being with what it is. Yeah. And praying for let's yeah. state.
0: Yeah, or wishing for it or wanting it. Yeah. If the prayer word doesn't work for some of the people. Yeah. But asking for it. You know, years and years ago in my um, Jungian incarnation, <laughs> I heard a quote from Dr. Jung in which he said, You can ask for anything you want. As long as you can take no for an answer, <laughs> so you know it's a great quote. You and it applies just as well here, you know. So, please, Heidi.
2: I think there's for me a lot of um, letting go required to really practice nuditas. Sometimes. Oh yeah. It's often it's letting go of my opinions. Um, you know, like may you're may you continue to have these good things. It's it's like if if you'd be able to say that so much without making it your ill-gotten gain, you know, or or to, you know, to to let go of opinion and sometimes it is based on envy and resentment, you know, like where somebody uh, gets a promotion or a, a raise or something that's like, I know they didn't deserve it, perhaps I deserved it more, and to uh-huh. let that go. Uh-huh. Um, exactly. There, there are many times when it's really easy, you know, you love somebody, you see them happy, they're, you know, like, friend has a baby, he's adorable, and you, you're so happy for them, you know, that's really easy, but when you have opinions about, do they deserve this, or... You know, that then you have to, to let that go it can be a
0: real struggle for me. Mm. Or, in an instance that I've certainly heard about, maybe you're somebody who can't have a baby. Mm-hmm. And so then here's this person who's having mm-hmm. babies and, and that, you know, can I be happy for her even while my own sadness is there? Mm-hmm. Very interesting place, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Are there always as the situation where... Um, your former boyfriend now takes up with somebody else.
1: Yes, so right, back, right.
0: Can you really be happy at his wedding? You know. <laughs> may may your happiness last a long time. Right. Yeah. Andrea? Um, what I was noticing in
1: the times that I've really paid attention to this practice, or actually when I get hold of me and how it works, um, that it's easier for me to practice sympathetic joys even towards those that are more distant from me personally or even politically because there's some, some way that it's that it's easier for me to practice that than when it's a more close relationship mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and maybe jealousy is there, yes exactly and they do deserve what they have and there isn't any judgment about that, but they have something I don't. Mm-hmm. So there isn't even, mm-hmm. they don't deserve it. It's of course they do, and it's really hard for me to be happy. Exactly. Because it's something I long for, exactly. or wish for, exactly. or can't have. And,
0: and that's the near enemy place. That's the hardest yeah. place yeah. for me. it because is. Because then the, the feelings of... Well,
1: the grief and the guilt or whatever that mixture is uh-huh. about the fact that I, I do feel <clears throat> that conflict. Whereas if it's somebody way off in the distance that has whatever that is that I want or long for, it's, it's, it's yeah.
2: just not
1: as painful.
0: So for <laughs> those of you who might want to try this practice, that actually points towards one of the ways to do it, which is to start easier first so find the group of people that it's fairly easy to be happy for their happiness for you it might be the same as Andrea's it might not and extend and enjoy your, your sympathetic joy to those people and then work towards the people that it's hardest for you
1: know.
0: and, and gradually, gradually you know, maybe you'll get there maybe John, one more and then we'll stop um the one thing that comes to mind I'm curious is what, what your thoughts are on the matter, and that is Schadenfreude. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or when you know, sometimes I feel uh, sometimes people are happy about things that I think aren't quite so good. Like let's
1: say these guys that who are shooting beer cans were shooting squirrels. Uh-huh. I'm just wondering if you've explored that well, you I thinking?
0: no, I have. And and the thing is I think it's an interesting place where can you, if you can connect to their happiness, you might be able to have a conversation that will allow you to at least plant the seed that maybe squirrels aren't the best target, you know? But if you immediately go, you're bad, then, so it's a little bit of, it's like a little like Aikido, You know, that place in Aikido, so you don't come right up against the opponent, but you meet the energy of the opponent so that you and the opponent end up in a safe place. So it's a little like that. Now, I don't think this means we never take a strong stand when something really bad is happening. I I don't think we're talking about that. So you could probably come up with an example of something that was making somebody happy that was really bad and we you know it's just not the place to practice that there but when it's a little when it's a little marginal i think it's interesting to see if you can if you can appreciate the happiness then maybe you can have the conversation without being quite so you know directly up against them but i do think it's a place to play and And this is, I think it's a very alive and interesting question. I don't know that I even have it fully resolved in my own. You
1: can mix it up, both be aware of their happiness and happy about it, but also aware of of the ignorance.
0: Exactly, exactly. And if you're aware of the happiness, that may allow you to address their ignorance in a way that you couldn't otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, since there is tea and cookies and we're wanting some chance to mingle... Um, I'm going to stop now, but I'm happy to, you know, <laughs> mingle and answer any questions, so have further conversation with those of you who might want to. So um, I want to make a few announcements. Um, tomorrow night, here, Friday night at seven, Catherine Thanis, who is the abbess or I don't know what she calls herself, abbess or abbot, of the Santa Cruz Zen Center, is coming to talk about her form of practice. Um, in our series of the Buddhist teachers of Santa Cruz. One of the remarkable things about the Buddhist teachers of Santa Cruz have you noticed is that all women so far. It's really remarkable. It's sort of unusual. And I actually don't know why it is, but we seem to have a large preponderance of women Buddhist teachers in Santa Cruz. So, um, here's Catherine. Catherine. They were our hosts for many years when we sat at the Zen Center And um, she's certainly probably, I think she's the elder Buddhist teacher in Santa Cruz. So I would really invite you to come. The series has been quite interesting, and um, usually what's happened is the person, in this case Catherine, has given a talk, and it's been followed by a little bit of guided practice, and then some questions and answers. I'll be here to kind of do the compare and contrast thing, and... Um, so that when we're looking at Vipassana versus Zen, if you have those kinds of questions. So I hope some of you will come so that we'll have a nice gathering tomorrow evening. And then a week from Saturday Richard Shankman who has taught in this community, was part of us for a long time until he moved to Oakland (coughs) in in order to be married and have a baby so I'm sure he's enjoying his happiness but I wish he were here Um,
1: (laughs) in any event
0: Richard's coming back to teach a day on concentration practice on the 17th from 9.30 in the morning until 5 he's just published a book Um, Shambhala just put out his book on samadhi which is concentration so um, he's a great teacher and I hope if some of you are interested in a day of practice and learning a little more about concentration you'll come so those are the two um, big things and then I just want to mention that out of this thinking about sympathetic joy I'm pondering doing another householder retreat which would be a sort of a week of practice really focusing on on sympathetic joy so stay tuned you'll probably hear about it I would imagine by next week so any other announcements that I've forgotten please Isabel
2: I just wanted to mention for those of you who didn't happened to be watching Fox News on I don't know which day, but there was quite a long interview of Jason. Oh, Did Jason you?
0: Murphy,
1: right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. right yeah.
2: here in this room with our Buddha, on Fox uh, News on Fox I think it was Fox I don't know I don't watch news I just happened to be. but I it was know, really exciting no, <laughs>
1: probably not Fox <laughs> <yeah>. well, <what laughs> the not News well was it 10 o'clock news or whatever it was <laughs> it was a local news no, it yeah, local news. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's, it is a Fox affiliate it's yeah okay that's what called. Yes. Um, anyway
2: it was really exciting with Pasana they were by the door with them ah so great oh. the video is still available on the News website.
1: Oh, thank oh, you. What's the oh, station? What
2: it's
0: it's
1: K I O N. On oh. the website, I trying to
0: find it's called K I O N. Right. Was now. it Channel yeah. Eight? Then? okay, great. I don't have TV Well, check it out on the internet. And then I also wanted to mention I was actually talking with Denny this evening over here. Denny is our great opener and closer and cleaner, and he mm-hmm. vacuums the. Zabatons and the Zephyrs and he spends hours with the magic eraser getting scuff marks off the floor if any of you would like to offer to help he could use a little help I think he's a team of one at this point so if you had a couple of hours once a month or every other month and could come and and help do any of these things um, we can hook you up through um, Val Nelson, who's our volunteer coordinator, but you might also want to talk to Denny tonight so we can get your name. So he's over here in the corner, nice-looking white-haired guy with glasses and a beard. So I think he's the whitest-haired guy in the room, so that's how you'll find him. Okay, let's end with just a little bit of loving-kindness practice, and maybe we'll throw in a shot <laughs> of sympathetic joy just for fun. And then we'll have our tea and cookies. So sit quite comfortably. Take a breath. Notice if you're happy. And if you are, enjoy it. And perhaps extend a thought to yourself, may this happiness, may this ease last. And maybe if your sense is that there are other people in the room who are in some way happy and enjoying themselves this evening, you might extend that wish to them. May their happiness last. And then come back into your being and extend some kindness and goodwill and friendliness in a general way wishing yourself peace and ease happiness and then extend that friendliness around the room to each person here And then on out into the world to the people whom you know and love, those who are suffering and those who are not. And again, if there's anybody out there that you're aware of that is extraordinarily happy or even just mildly happy, you might also take a moment to enjoy their happiness and to extend the intention and the hope that they're happiness might last for a while. And then let your attention go on out, extending your goodwill and your friendliness to all people and to all of the beings who share this planet with us. And then last of all, we gather up all of the goodness and blessing of this practice that we've done together this evening And we take it in, and we enjoy it for ourselves, and then we give it all away, and we offer it to all beings, that all beings may be happy, and that all beings may be peaceful, and that all beings may come to a complete end of suffering. With one or two people near you and take them to tea <laughs> and make sure you get to know who your tea buddies are and the tea and the cookies I think are going to be, going to be in the hallway so um, you might once you get your tea and cookies spread out a little bit otherwise it'll be a little jammed but enjoy your tea and cookies and thank you and I'll see you next week